Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Female Founders Network, a podcast brought to you by invoice to go I'm your host, Nat, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sylvie. Hey, everyone. We record our show in the Forbes Street studio in downtown Sydney, Australia, but we bring guests from all over the world. So you'll hear people from the U.S., the United Kingdom, Europe, the Asia Pacific, anywhere that we find women who lead and inspire others. This is a great podcast for women who are navigating business ownership, leadership, or just life. Each episode should connect you with someone else's story, but also leave you with practical tips and advice that you can use in your own life and in your own business. Merry Christmas and happy holidays from the Female Founders Network and Envoys to Go. Today, we're speaking with Karen Frame, the CEO and founder of Makina, a discovery and insights platform and app focused on brands and retailers in the health, wellness and sustainability space. In this episode, Karen speaks about transforming her lifelong passion into a SaaS product after a failed venture in the same space early in her career. She also talks about how she founded and launched her company from the ground up. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Hi, Karen. How are you today? I'm great. How about you? Uh, so good. So you are calling in from one of my other favorite places in the world. <laughs> um, so where you want to tell everybody where you are? So our headquarters are in Boulder, Colorado, and I also live in Boulder. Oh, I love it. My sister's there. What's so good about (laughs) Boulder for the British one here that has no idea? (laughs) It's magical. (laughs) It is. It is. Is it quite It's a college town. Yes. Well, no, Boulder itself isn't, but we're right against the foothills. And Mm -hmm. we have this national historic park called Chautauqua, where they have flat irons and they just shoot straight out of the earth. It's beautiful. Mm. Um, But, you know, we have the university, we have a walking mall. Um, It's just, it's it's a really great place that I landed back in 1993. Oh, how good. And you, I mean, did you, can I ask if you bought a house back in 93? Because if so, you've made the smartest investment decision possible. <laughs> um, well, yes, I bought a condo. My yeah, former husband go. and I moved to Boulder, yeah, from Champaign, Illinois. So yeah. we bought a condo then. And then um, and then we got divorced um, in 98. And I mm-hmm. bought a little teeny house. It was really cute. Yeah. And then my husband and I, my current husband and I, who've been together 18 years now, yeah. um, ended up buying a house just outside of Boulder called Longmont. And then we decided to come back to Boulder and we came back to Boulder. We bought the house that we live in now back in 2005. So we've been here for 15 years. Wow. Beautiful. I mean, very fortunate. The thing about, so my sister went to um, University of Colorado at Boulder and it's just like her campus, like the whole town. I mean, I'm just obsessed with that part of the world. I think it's one of the best places in America to live. I really do. It's beautiful. Everybody's outdoorsy. The attitude's quite progressive. Like it's just, it's so lovely for so many ways. And there's a really cool startup culture there too. I mean, I think yeah, so. there's a great start. Yep, exactly, exactly. So yeah, so this is my third startup, second in the natural product space. Wow. And, um, mm-hmm. and yeah. when I moved to Boulder in 93, I was really recruited to teach at the university. And I was also recruited to um, actually be uh, an assistant U.S. attorney. So very oh, wow. different. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So take us through your kind of through your career and, your, thing. and, and everything like how the businesses you had before and then how you came to found Makina. Yes, please. 
Well, it's I have a very uh, different story. So um, we love different I stories. Actually, <laughs> oh, great, awesome! Well, you're going to hear it. I, I, I'll try not to bore you. No, but, no, no um, we can't. <laughs> we want to know it all. Well, oh, awesome! So I I actually grew up in another university town. I grew up in Champaign, Illinois, uh-huh. where the University of Illinois is, and my dad was a science professor there. Uh huh. And um, I actually learned how to code when I was four years old. I went to Montessori school. What? And it's quite, <gasps> wow. yeah, it's really quite quite different for somebody of my age. I'm 57. Uh-huh. So that was not heard of when I was a little girl. But my dad was always like experimenting on me and things like that. So yeah. I learned how to code when I was super young. And then um, when I was in fourth grade, he had built, he and my mom had built a house on a lake. And it was the across the street from a cornfield that had been sprayed with pesticides every year. And um, that's also part of my story. As a result, um, many of the people in my family and my friends are either sick or dead. And wow. quite frankly, I am currently recovering from thyroid cancer. I had my thyroid taken out in October. Oh my gosh. And um Yeah. And so, you know, that's kind of part of the Makina story. Um, But I'll just tell you the rest of it. I mean, in the sense that um, I I went to law school. Well, first I went to undergrad and got my accounting degree. So I got my CPA. Mm -hmm. Then I went to law school and I met my former husband who had been an organic farmer. And I, you know, that's where I learned about, you know, what non-GMO is and what being vegan is mm-hmm. and where to find these things and what do you do with them when you buy them? <laughs> so so that's kind of part of my bigger story. Um, mm-hmm. I was a lawyer for many years. And when, um, when Richard and I moved to Boulder from Champaign, Illinois, we we came out here. I we were both plant based at the time, and we would go into these large grocery stores, and we were always having a hard time finding somebody from customer service. And you know, what do you do with spelt, or what kind of homeopathic remedy can you get for a headache? Yeah, yeah, right. Because you go in so Whole Foods, when, even Whole Foods. Like I'll go in Whole Foods, and I'll be like, "What is all of this stuff in boxes and bins? And like, how do I use it?" Yeah. So you're right. Mm-hmm. Like the the experience was lacking for a very long time. Like an educational program. Oh, yeah. totally. Yeah. Totally, totally. Yeah. And so because I had grown up with a science professor dad and I had learned science, mathematics, English, and social studies on a system called Plato back in the 60s and 70s. I am so aging myself. You're fine. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I had this aha moment. I mean, we thought, oh, gosh, why don't we place touchscreen kiosk systems in these natural product stores? We can help the consumer navigate the natural products retail environment. Um, And so that's what happened. So we ended up signing a nationwide contract with a company called Wild Oats. And now um, then they, (laughs) yep, yep, yep. And they got acquired by Whole Foods. And then Whole Foods is now, of course, Amazon. So, you know, you know, the rest of the story, Um, kind of leaping forward, you know, we, we installed 10 systems in eight stores back in the, uh, gosh, when was that? Now I like feel like in the 1990s. Oh my gosh, it just feels like forever ago. And it was actually. We were way ahead of our time. And um, 
So kind of long story short, we're raising a lot of money, 5.8 million. And uh, mm. we got uh, scammed. Uh, and wow. um, yeah, so we were supposed to uh, roll out all of our kiosks to every single store in the United States. And at that point, I think by the time we kind of got closer and closer to raising money, it was like 58 stores for Wild Oats at the time. Yeah. And um, yeah, our CFO called us up one day and said, hey, turn on CNN. And we sure enough turned on CNN. We saw Bill Holiday from First Federal Funding being hauled off to jail by federal agents. Wow. And uh, yeah, exactly. That is insane. And so, Wait, so what happened? Was that, was. Your, was that who you were raising money with? that they went to. Yeah, it, oh yeah exactly. So he defrauded us and 41 <gasps> other companies. And um, he was charged with violating California's lending laws and felony theft. And, uh, you know, Richard oh. and I just couldn't recover. I mean, we we went, you know, I went back to the one of the founders of Wild Oats, Libby Cook, and just said, hey, Libby, you know, can we restructure our deal? Because our deal was that we were going to put all these systems in the stores and we were going to get 100% of the revenue from the kiosk. And, you know, we sold to the brand base that we're selling to now. So it was brands like New Chapter and Horizon and uh, White Wave, which is now part of Horizon, which is part of well, anyway, the kind of that larger conglomerate now. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we we uh, we just and Libby just said no, and so mm-hmm. she had this one week window to terminate our agreement, and she did. Oh, that's <laughs> so, heartbreaking. That is, and yeah. Wild Oats was a big yeah. deal. I remember. Okay, so I grew up in Columbus. We had a Wild Oats. <laughs> so oh, getting, oh. yeah, yeah. So it was like I remember it was a beloved brand. So landing okay. that and like yeah. getting it was like the whole like the small format Whole Foods before Whole Foods okay. existed. Yeah, I'm um, just feeling so close yet so yeah. far from just getting over and then the having line. that. That's got to be devastating. Wow. It was. It was what's what's more devastating, which is part of the story, is that um, Kroger and also Safeway flew out to meet with us. So we were talking with GNC and Sprouts and Mothers and Whole Foods and Safeway and Kroger. And Kroger asked us if we would develop a touchscreen checkout for them. So, yeah, uh uh-huh, right? And I was like, no, we're going to stick with what we're, you know, really passionate about, which is developing touchscreen kiosk systems for, you know, natural products retailers. And so, yeah, it was a missed opportunity. But it was 19... Oh, gosh, it was, you know, the mid 1990s when they came to us. And yeah, and we were both plant based. We really believed in the industry. Um, And hindsight as well as 2020 vision, right? It is. (laughs) Right. Well, I don't know if that's such a good thing to say this Mm. year, right? With 2020. Let's not not say it was 2020. That's so funny. I remember this era. Well, not exactly this era. So I started in like... 
agencies in the early 2000s. And then I had a lot of retail clients. And we did this thing, uh, this project in the early 2000s for a client called the future of shopping, the grocery store <gasps> shopping experience. Yeah. And we did it yeah. for, what is that big retail magazine? Oh my gosh, that all the retailers kind of watch. And it's all about customer experience. But I remember they were talking a lot about kiosks and education within right. like nutritional yep. education within the customer experience. And it was something that they were just in the early 2000s developing. Yeah. So you were really ahead of the curve if you were still we talking were, about it. Yeah. Yeah. We were so ahead of the curve. I mean, you know, each kiosk. So we ended up, there was a local kiosk uh, manufacturer, which actually is the box that the guts go in, like the computers and the printers mm -hmm. and, you know, the T1 lines get, well, you know, DS, I mean, all the old infrastructure, of course, right, mm -hmm. goes into those boxes. And um, we, we ended up end up manufacturing the boxes up in Toronto of all places. Mm -hmm. And each kiosk initially, just the box piece cost $25,000. Well, maybe it was with, we had a 36 inch uh, touchscreen. We had two printers. We had one of those roller printers and then we had a regular printer yeah. because what you would do at the kiosk is you could plug in all the recipes that you wanted to meet, make for the entire week uh -huh. and it would spit out the where you could buy all the ingredients on the shelf aisle by aisle wow. in the store. Oh my God. And I mean, how amazing yeah. in an era without smartphones. Yeah. Like that would have been so good. Yeah. I would have eaten so much better in college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's in, you know, honestly, this is part of the story. So that was plan A, right? And yeah. so, you know, we have this epic failure with, um, with, you know, the funder out of California. We, uh, Richard and I ended up getting divorced. We liquidated all the natural interactions assets. We just couldn't recover. I mean, we, yeah, we were so green as mm -hmm. founders. We didn't know that, you know, we could have repurposed them. We could have reskinned the software, maybe resold it to GNC. Well, GNC is another story right now too, right? Yeah. But, uh, we, we could have repurposed it maybe for Whole Foods or, or even Safeway or, um, or our Kroger at the time. But anyway, so um, we liquidated the assets, we got divorced, and I was asked by um, a partner at what was called Brobeck at the time, and it's now Cooley, and they're still in existence, a very, um, it's a law firm that focuses on really um, helping technology companies grow big. I mean, it's a great okay. law firm. It's kind of like Wilson Sassini. Anyway, so um, she asked me if I'd be interested. I had sat on a board with her, a business for social responsibility board of all things. And she asked me if I wanted to um, go in-house to be an in-house counsel for one of their clients. And oh. I just said, sure. So that was my in-house career. And I just like took off and ended up becoming a general counsel eventually. And it was kind of during that process that I was like, man, I, I love being a lawyer. Don't get me wrong. I love my clients, but I really feel like I can help make the world a better place. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so part of the story is that I was asked to teach at the University of Colorado in the entrepreneurship program. And I was listening to one of my colleagues talk about exchanging textbooks with a mobile device. And I in my head, I was that was my aha moment. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna take natural interactions, 
bring it into the 21st century. Everybody's got a handheld kiosk. And I'm going to do the same thing, but I'm going to focus on brands. I'm going to help the brands get discovered. I'm going to help the consumers find them. Hmm. And then we're going to help them create some velocity off the shelf. And that's how Makina was born. Wow. So anyway, that's the story. It's a long story. But that was the story. It's amazing. Well, yeah. The funny thing about this is, is like you it's you've created this business, but really it started back in the 90s. You know, it started mm. with like yep. this massive failure and then all of the life stuff that happens with that. Right. Like I know you just touched on it, but divorce isn't easy. <laughs> you know, like yeah. Yeah. that's yeah, that's very yeah. difficult, um, you know, on top right. of the other stuff. And, and you're just like, OK, nope, I'm passionate about this thing. What can I do with it now? Which is a really beautiful thing. You evolved your idea and your passion. Well, I did. And it was really interesting. So I've been with my current husband about 18 years, Sam. He's he's awesome. So 15 yeah. years married. And yeah. I said to him, and I had a very successful um, career as a general counsel and, um, you know, a VP of legal. And so when I had this aha moment, um, I asked him, I said, hey, what do you think about me quitting everything and <laughs> founding a company where I'm not going to get paid for, I don't know how many years, but <laughs> I really am super passionate about it. So he's been super supportive, not all the time, but most of the time. And so it's, it's interesting. So when I get, um, when I get some, you know, new traction or, you know, I've been on TV a lot lately. I mean, I, I'm becoming quote unquote, the better for you grocery savings experts. So I'm on, you know, CBS and NBC and ABC for various, um, various stations in, in, in small to medium sized cities across the country. Um, I think the largest city right now has been Houston. Um, but, you know, there's Denver and there's Houston and Charleston, South Carolina. And I've been on, um, you know, I've just been on multiple stations now. It's It's wow. been kind of fun. And so he's he's kind of making fun of me now. And, and he's kind of getting on the bandwagon. He's like, oh, this could really be big. And I'm like, yeah, what have I been telling you? You're like, right? babe, so. I'm on Google page one. If you look up my name, it's page one. So Yeah, exactly. You're like, you need exactly. to get on board. <laughs> yeah. You need to get on board, honey. Yeah. So, yeah. And it is kind of fun, though, because he used to be like, um, he's super fit. He's... Um, he, well, he would hate it if I said this, but I'm going to say this anyway. But <laughs> say he, it. <laughs> um, you know, he was a really, really great marathoner. He yeah. still has some sort of record in Orange County when he was like 16 years old. Anyway, so um, super great athlete. And um, he was like eating like sugar and all, mm. I'm like just white sugar. And so he doesn't, he can't even stand it anymore. And, you know, so he's now do, he does raw sugar and we're, we're probably about um, 95% plant-based. I, I even bought something recently where it's um, like made in a, a laboratory. It's, it's not meat, it's a meat substitute. Oh, is that and the I made Beyond a burger, burger out of it. Yeah. Impossible. Foods. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's both, but I don't want to, <laughs> 
don't want to name any names. Okay. <laughs> so, so I made it. And he's so used to me serving Hillary's Burger or Dr. Prager's or, you know, Crunch or one of the true like um, vegetarian plant-based burgers that he's like, I don't like this at all. We're just not used to eating really, meat anymore. Yeah. yeah. Right? Wow. Yeah. It's funny. So I um I went plant-based for about a year, um, like completely plant-based. And um, mm. then I found out that I was expecting my third child. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> I, thank you. I love and it. And my body, for whatever reason, sadly, it was like, give me every single type of meat <laughs> that you can get your hands. I was yeah. just craving meat, but I'm like, okay, so yeah. how am I going to go back to this? But I remember that phase of like when I'd finally cut meat out, I mm. would eat meat and I would feel kind of sick to my stomach Yeah, for a while. Mm-hmm. And that was a really good place yeah. to be in because you're like, well, my body's truly rejecting you know, stuff yeah. that may not be very good for it. Mm. Like my body's getting smarter. Mm-hmm. It's weird. You know, it just, it really depends on, um, so I was, I was truly vegan for 12 years when I was with my former husband Mm -hmm. and so vegan that we didn't have honey. We didn't buy leather. I had hemp shoes. I had an hemp hemp purses. Oh, you were so bolder. Yeah, we were. That's so bolder. We were so bolder. (laughs) Even before we moved to Boulder. Isn't that hilarious? We were so bolder. So Dustin, so. So Dustin, I mean, I I can't even say anything more than that. But um, yeah, so, you know, what happened with me is when we got divorced, I went back to visit my parents in Champaign and it was for Thanksgiving and my mom was so actually before that I ha- I started having some fish right mm. I got back to champagne and she she was making a turkey on the grill outside for Thanksgiving and literally I'm not kidding I started salivating <laughs> yeah so it was so weird and so I had a little bit um and then when I met Sam he was eating meat at the time and he's like oh you know, having a little bit of beef is not going to kill you. And, um, and so I had a little bit, it just never agreed with me. And so we've, we have been literally, um, as I said, about 95% plant-based, you know, we eat eggs, we do eat cheese, um, Mm. but we have a lot of, not even refried, I guess it is refried, refried black beans that, you know, don't have the lard in them. So we eat super clean. Yeah. Super yeah. Clean. And would you Beautiful. say that like the typical users of Makina are um, plant based as well? Like what's the like, customer profile that you're targeting with the app? Yeah. So so we do have a, a huge majority of our users are vegan or vegetarian. Um, many of them are have families mm-hmm. um, and a lot of folks are actually have some sort of chronic disease. Right. Yes. So, you know, our consumer base in the U.S., I mean, I would 198 million people in the U.S. have some sort of chronic disease. I, wow. I would say 60% of, of U.S. 
you know, um, has some sort of disease now, unfortunately. I mean, it's gotten worse because of COVID, mm-hmm. right? And um, and then there are, what, 73 million millennials. And so there's this kind of combination. So we, we're finding that, um, we well, one, we just need to spread the word about Makina. But we find that when people hear about Makina, they're like, oh, my gosh, that is super cool. I I never thought that I could afford to buy better. And what we're trying to do is take that sticker shock out of buying better, or mm-hmm. in, in other words, democratize this better for you, better for your family, better for the planet kind of products. Wow. Yeah, that's so awesome. Have you noticed like there's been quite a big shift in demand for um, kind of natural products and better, you know, making better purchasing decisions for the environment. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, so, so gosh, the natural products industry is on trend uh, uh, for 252 billion in sales this year and uh, 10% year over year growth. It's really the only part of grocery that's really growing. Mm -hmm. And what you would uh, typically see is companies like uh, General Mills and PNG and Pepsi and Coca-Cola and Kraft Heinz and Kellogg buying companies, uh, smaller companies that become more successful of the natural product brands. They'll go ahead and they'll buy them up like RX Bar got acquired by Kellogg. So right, okay. it is definitely, yeah, it's definitely an industry that's growing and Consumers are very much concerned about their health and they're concerned about the environment. So, you know, even though I started really my journey with Makina back in the 1990s, um, I am super on trend. Yeah, (laughs) you are. You are very on trend. You are ahead of it for sure. I mean, I think the interesting thing is we've talked to people here um, who were too far ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. And I would almost mm-hmm. argue that you that's might be where you were. <laughs> like you might yeah. have been too far yeah. ahead of the curve, but you kept evolving yeah. or you, you tr- decided to evolve it again, I guess, for the current times. And I think that that's, that's amazing. Like you kind of waited for the world to catch up with you a bit, like in that, whether you realize that what, that's what you were doing or not, like in that little downturn of going through that struggle and kind yeah. of re-envisioning your life, the world was catching up with mm-hmm. you, you know? Yeah, it totally was. And and all the while I was still, you know, personally buying, you know, organic yeah. and non-GMO and yeah. um, putting those things in and on my body. Right. Um, and so, you know, it's really interesting because I've had, uh, well, you know, being a founder, you don't take really great care of yourself sometimes. Um, yeah. So I hadn't really been exercising again until really COVID mm-hmm. uh, because I was running all around the world, quite frankly. I mean, I was at the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona and San Francisco and L.A. and yeah. New York. And I mean, you just name it. I was wherever. So I wasn't on a consistent exercise program, but I I really look Literally, I mean, people are very surprised when they hear how old I am. I probably do look almost 20 years younger. Girl, I've seen your LinkedIn photo. (laughs) (laughs) You look amazing. you too. That was ta- that was taken a little bit ago. I think um, I took that 
around the time that I started Makina, but yeah, but yeah, what year I mean, was even, that? Because you look my age. I mean, so even if it oh, was taken like four <laughs> years ago, like holy crap, like yeah, you look yeah. my age. I, I think Donna took it. Gosh, she may have taken it in 2015, 16. So okay. yeah, that's probably about right. I probably need to get my new photographs taken. I She's asked me a couple of times, like, should I be taking new portraits of you? I'm like, not now. But yeah, but to look like <laughs> you're in your 30s year. when you're in your 50s is quite an accomplishment. <laughs> well, I think I really attribute that to really, you know, eating better yeah. when I wasn't starting in law school. It was really that summer between my first and second year of law school yeah. that I became a vegan. Uh, and the story is actually deeper than that too. My, my, I was at Oxford that summer and the, the meat in, um, at Oxford, um, at uni college was awful awful. And <laughs> I used to go outside to the food trucks. I would leave the dining hall um, that looked like Harry Potter, right? Like the high yeah. Harry Potter dining halls. Yeah. I would I would leave the dining hall hungry. I would go outside, see food trucks, and they had these, uh, they called them vegetarian pitas. And it was really just iceberg lettuce, some disgusting tomatoes on a pita. <laughs> and that was my entire summer at Oxford. I just, and I came back to Illinois. My dad was super excited that I had come back. Dad, my dad had gone to Harvard. So I was like, yeah, I got to go to Oxford. So yeah. I came back to <laughs> Champagne. One up at <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally had a one up dad. So dad um, had, was so excited about me coming back after, you know, being gone that whole summer. And he had prepared lobster and steak mm. as my welcome back dinner. And I, I had to say to my dad, I'm like, I'm so sorry, dad. I won't eat a lobster and I am not eating a cow. Oh, <laughs> and, so I, oh. and he's like, I how think, did I send my daughter to Oxford? And she became a hippie of all things. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So funny. anyway, yeah. but um, so I had already met Richard before I left. So I think that was part of the beginning of that. Oh. There you go. I just want to loop back onto kind of Makina and the founding story there because we've we kind of got to the point where you, you had this idea of how you wanted to continue what you wanted to do in the 90s and then and bring it, you know, into the, like the modern smartphone world. So how did you mm -hmm. get from the idea for Makina to actually creating the app, raising funds? Like what was your journey there? Oh, my gosh. Um, a long one. And very tough, quite mm -hmm. frankly. So, you know, I had the aha moment in uh, November of 2011 when I was teaching. And then the, 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 and then I asked, you know, I, well, I told my husband, <laughs> Sam, I said, Hey, what do you think about this? And I already knew that I wanted to do it. Yeah. Um, and so 2012 was really about research. And, you know, um, I don't think founders do um, as much around research as mm. I did then, but I have been schooled. You know, I went to Indiana University as an undergrad and, you know, typical B school in those days. I mean, you really need to do your research before you decide to, you know, embark upon something like I was going to embark upon. And yeah. so 
had the the luck, right, the fortune that I could use the University of Colorado libraries mm-hmm. uh, to do that. It was all online at the time already, but you know, I actually physically went to the library over at the business school and actually the main library as well. I remember doing that. Wrote wrote the executive summary really before I wrote the business plan, but I wrote a real business plan. Mm. I wrote a 60-page business plan. And um, yeah, and I started to create uh, pro formas early on. Mm. um, And I'm like, well, you know, just can this really happen? What I didn't do as much of was really... um, uh, interview brands and also shoppers. Mm -hmm. So what happened was I got into the first kind of real thing that I did. I didn't have a prototype. I didn't have a demo until, um, 2013. So I raised, um, well, actually I got a loan from Mm -hmm. the Colorado enterprise fund to build basically a prototype slash demo in 2013. And I, had my first public pitch then too. We got we got selected to pitch to uh, the Angel Capital Summit in Colorado in yes. March of 2013. Mm. So I, I was like, hmm, I think I really have something. And so, but I didn't even have a product yet. Yeah. So, um, so I got a lot of interest there, but nobody really invested. Um, but by the end of two thirds. 2013, I applied for Telluride Venture Accelerator. It doesn't really exist as is, but it is one of the reasons why uh, the Telluride Foundation, which is part of the town of Telluride, actually owns 4% of Makina. Um, But we got in, yeah, we got into an accelerator, our first accelerator. And uh, it was during that time that um, we did a lot of consumer research. We did a lot of research with brands and we built really kind of our first working uh, beta model of Makina. And we didn't launch in the app store until 2015. And it was only the app store only on iPhone we didn't even launch on Android Um, so we did a lot of private beta a lot of public beta eventually and then in by the end of 2018 we had an app on both the um, both on Google Play and uh, the Apple Store right and uh, you know we've grown ever since so it's been a couple of accelerators it's been testing a lot Mm. making sure that there's really strong product market fit uh, there's a lot of technology built into Makina, both on the front end, what a consumer would see, mm-hmm. but on the back end, we really built it for these brands. The brands know who their shoppers are, where they're shopping, what's yeah. in their basket. It's a 24-7 uh, dashboard that the brand can actually talk directly to that consumer through, either on a one-to-one relationship or one-to-many and um, and the brands are getting really good uh, return on their advertising dollar, mm-hmm. ROAS, um, and and so that's really good. And so now we know that we can, you know, turn up the notch or turn what is I don't want to say put fuel on the fire because that is a 
bad <laughs> bad term to use these Not days, especially right if you live, no. yeah, uh, Australia, California, yeah. Colorado, Oregon. I mean, you just don't want to say that. But anyway, to turn turn up the heat a little bit, mm-hmm. right? And so we're raising um, our, I, I would say, a pre-seed two right now because yeah. we do have outside investors, and then we're we're going out and raising our seed. Um, in Q1, and it's quite a bit of money. Yeah, nice. So, um, with with that, I've got a couple of questions actually. So, when you say we, did you find a technical co-founder, or were you kind of coding and then um, hiring people to build the app? Oh, so great question. So, yes, in 2016, I found a technical co-founder. I had gotcha. actually found. Before that, I hired a, a development team at Boulder to do our first slash prototype demo. Mm. Um, so I worked with them in 2013, 2014. Um, I had already, by that time, I had brought on a CTO. He had come from Safeway, but he was not really a coder. He had um, he had supervised and managed very large outsourced teams in India. Mm-hmm. And w- what I didn't realize is that he didn't have what we really needed. Right. So I've made a lot of mistakes along the way. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> so how did you know what to look for with your technical co-founder? I think that's really great. That obviously, yeah, everyone like learns from their mistakes and knows kind of what not to do. So if you were giving advice to someone who's like listening here and, and wants to start an app but doesn't have technical experience and is either looking for a co-founder or someone to work with, what would you point out to them to, to look out for as a watch out? Well, you know, a lot of things. One, you really need to be introduced to that person. I think that's the best way to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be through... If you're going to go through an accelerator or any sort of incubator, that's a great way to get to know people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can try before you buy, I guess yeah. is the best way to say it. Yeah. You really should you sh- really should try to work with somebody that does know how to code. I mean, I knew how to hack, but not how to code anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, when, when Richard and I founded Natural Interactions, um, I had already... I had I knew how to code basic Pascal C uh, C plus plus Fox Pro, but you know going into where we are right now, Android and iOS. I mean, I just didn't know how to do it. I know how to change little things, but not big things. And yeah. same with our back end as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so David knew how to do all of that, of course. But you know what I also found was at some point you need to have full stack and we you know we we are full stack I mean we use a lot of different uh, programmable languages Mm -hmm. um, and you know and so we just need a lot of different talent and so we do have talent um, that we use through an outsource team and you know David's still our uh, technical co-founder but you know, as we grow, we'll be adding data scientists. We don't have a data scientist on board right now, but we'll, and we'll be, um, we're going to be using actually one of a couple of our um, advisory board members um, have quite a bit of experience with spins data and Nielsen data and Mintel data, all the Mm. different data sets. And we're taking our data and we're um, overlaying it, um, or we're putting it on top of that other data to fill in gaps. Mm-hmm. And that's what's what's beautiful about what we've built is that 
we're omni-channel. Mm-hmm. We, we really want the shopper to buy better. So whether it be at a farmer's market, a bodega, you know, a Walmart, Target, uh, Thrive Market, Kroger, Amazon, we really don't care. We just yeah. want that consumer to buy better. Yeah. It could even be on the brand's own website. So we collect data from everywhere and we get the we get the shopper data yeah. too, right? We get the individual consumer. And you know, when you are trying as a brand to start putting all this data get together, it's really hard to get that data from Amazon or Instagram or Facebook mm. um, or Oh, gosh, even from a retailer. I mean, Kroger sells their data for a thousand bucks a month. Nielsen, you know, it could be three thousand, but it may be more if you want all the data that you really need as a brand. So Uh we we had this aha moment very early on back in 2014 when I was at, you know, in Telluride and why it's been so long and so arduous to get to where we are. Um, was that we had to really build the technology mm-hmm. to do the things we wanted it to do. And so we would we would raise a little bit of money and then we would be back heads down on the business. We would mm-hmm. raise a little bit more money and or have some other additional traction or a partner that wanted to partner with us and then go back down into the business. So it it's really been quite the journey. And you're always problem solving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, can you just explain, like, what's, so you've got this app that works for brands, but works for consumers. Can you just explain how it connects the two and and what the business model is? Like, do people buy through the app or? What is the consumer experience, you're asking? Yeah, but also for the brand's experience, like, when you sign up as a brand, like, how, how does it all kind of interact with Makina. So, so where do you want me to start with the consumer? Or with Let's the start brand? with the consumer, like what the consumer sees and then what the brands get after. Okay. So, so the consumer will discover the app through some particular channel. It may be um, one of our partners like Hey Mama, or mm-hmm. it may be through Mamavation or Kaya Mega. I was in a sorority in college. Um, so it, it just depends, right? How, yeah, yeah. how the consumer uh, discovers us. They'll, they'll download it for free from um, the app store or Google Play. Mm-hmm. And then right away, they can start discovering brands. Um, So you unlock the brand and then you see what kind of offers. Well, you learn a little bit about what the brand is about. Are Mm -hmm. they a certified B Corp like us? Are they, you know, what is their founder story? Is it Mr. Lee's where Mr. Lee had cancer, right? Is he like me? Um, So you unlock the the brand um, and then you see what kind of offers they're offering. Sometimes it may be only good for a particular store, but most of our brands have offers, you know, across the whole U.S. and it doesn't matter where you buy it. And then we tell you where to buy it right online or at a store and it could be both and the brand dictates like the brand says hey i want the consumer to buy on my website mm-hmm. i don't want to send them to amazon or i want to have them go to thrive market because we don't have our logistics set up mm-hmm. and then after that there are different kinds of engagements that the consumer can engage with the brand even more they can uh take a photo of the display in the store on the shelf right like is the pricing right is the product on the shelf 
you know, what are our competitors doing around us? Um, or they may answer a survey or a poll or watch a video. So lots of different ways that the consumer can actually get points because we're both cash and rewards. Oh. And then after that, there's all the different products that that brand has. And even when they're the cash is gone, the cash back rebate is gone, the consumer can continue to earn uh, points that can be exchanged out for cash or rewards, depending upon what the brand wants to do. Is it free product? Is it swag? Is it a gift card? Um, you know, it's really up to the brand. So that kind of leads me into the next part of Makina. So we talk about Makina with brands, we built your loyalty platform so you don't have to. Mm, We built it super flexible for a brand. The brand can decide how many rewards, what kind of cash, what kind of products to put on there, what kind of engagement. And it's really up to them. Um, And so, you know, where Starbucks has has really spent millions and millions of dollars in building their, their rewards, program, you know, their mobile app and Dunkin' Donuts has filed suit, uh, you know, followed suit, not filed suit, followed suit. <laughs> I sound like a lawyer, right? Um, <laughs> you know, we, we've done it for all of these emerging brands in the natural product space. And as I said early on, the data is super expensive. There were a few brands that we had done some research on early on, though. So Boulder Brands had Udi's, Gardein, and Earth Balance before they were acquired by Pinnacle. And those few brands were spending a million dollars a year on data. Um, there were also brands like um, Haynes Celestial that spent like $4 million a year on data. And wow. so, yeah, so it's really, really expensive for these brands to buy this data. And so these emerging brands really just can't afford that. And so, you know, we really built a um, an ecosystem of sorts where we are connecting, truly connecting shoppers that would like to buy better with brands who need to be discovered by these shoppers. Mm-hmm. And we're engaging with these shoppers no matter where they want to shop. And then the brands get to start collecting data. Oh, and God. that's, yeah, so that's what we've built. That's it's brilliant. Making. I lo- thank you for explaining oh, the full ecosystem. Yeah, I, I think it makes so much sense, especially in our like data-driven world now. Um, but mm-hmm. how, so, how did you acquire your first users, and have you got any evangelists? Like, how have you kind of done that user acquisition play? Oh my gosh! Um, so the first users were truly private beta users. We did a Kickstarter campaign at the end of 2014. We raised a little bit of money through that. I've raised money all sorts of ways. I got loans. I got awesome. you know SBA back loans. I got you know we did a crowdfunding campaign. We got some angel investment. We got some investment from accelerators. So we've we've kind of done the mix. And then I also put in some of my own money. Um, so first users were those private beta folks that were interested because of the Kickstarter campaign. Um, then we went live on the app store and still very much a kind of a beta, but it wasn't as private anymore because anybody could download it. We really weren't doing much. Now we, we're, we're going to be again, you know, kicking up the heat a little bit here. Um, we've put together an influencer campaign that we're just starting to launch, um, 
We have never really paid for advertising before, either on Instagram or Facebook, Mm -hmm. but we will be starting to do that. We also have a brand new website that we launched back at the end of September. Uh, We're optimizing it. Obviously, we have somebody on board that is becoming super familiar with SEO, and so that is being optimized. Um, And we have this uh, system it's not even a system. We have free samples, free product samples for mm-hmm. for natural products brands. It's called the Makina Mix. So consumers are starting to hear about us through that. We have consumers that are starting to share about Makina. Uh, we also, since since uh, since it's the holidays, we're giving cash back on uh, free range or organic turkey or meat substitutes. Oh, we're giving yeah, That's we're giving a fun cash campaign. back on. Yeah, sweet potatoes, yams, uh, corn, stuffing, pies, but everything that it's a little bit cleaner, right? So we're doing that. We always have, usually always have uh, paper towels and hand sanitizer and um, and uh, disinfectants um, on the app, usually toilet paper. Yes. So again, anything that is biodegradable or better for the earth, we're trying to help um, promote, of yeah. course. Um, and so, yeah, to go back to the brands, I mean, the brands hear about us because we're, 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 um, we've been a part of Naturally Boulder for quite some time. Um, Naturally Chicago and the Good Food Accelerator has asked us to be a sponsor and we give back to the community. We, any of the brands that win these uh, pitch competitions usually get free space on Makina. Um, what else? Uh, but brands are starting to really hear about us. Um, and so that's, it's great. It's great for everybody. We have about 500 brands in our sales pipeline. Um, you know, we, again, we're kicking up the heat right now. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's exactly. So I'm, I'm a brand marketing director for Invoice to go and, um, Sylvie's one of my consultants, but I, I'm like looking at all of your stuff. It's like, okay, business model sound, all the development sound, Mm. all the, you know, the consumer experience sound. I'm like, the last thing they need is the brand marketing push. And I'm like yeah. looking at like getting all, we're going to have to have a conversation after this. <laughs> we totally will. We totally will. I mean, my, my team is, you know, really, um, you know, super passionate. Um, I'm very, very fortunate. We, we use the system called EOS. Uh, it's, oh, yes. it's based Traction. on the book Traction. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Amazing. By Gina Wickman. Yeah. And uh, so we, we want to make sure that there's a really good culture fit yes. uh, before anybody comes on the team. And so, you know, cause it's a hard, hard road when you are, uh, part of a startup. And as a founder, you have to have grit. You need mm. to be tenacious. Um, and so my team has to be just as, t- not quite as tenacious as me, but just almost as much tenacious <laughs> as I am. So, you know, values and um, make sure that everybody fits within, you know, our vision traction organizer. And um, man, yeah, we we could use all the help we could get. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say no to anything right now. <laughs> any any like founders listening, if you haven't read Traction, then it's an amazing system that you can implement for your business, and um, I would highly recommend it. I'm sure you would as well, yes. Karen. Yes, yes, yeah. I mean, it keeps you focused because Mm -hmm. quite frankly, there's so many ways you can get distracted as a founder. Yeah, we we've never. 
I don't always like using these words. We've never pivoted. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, we've tweaked things, yeah. but we've never really pivoted. I mean, our my vision has always been about we're going to be the go-to resource for better for you, better for everyone types of brands, Yeah. period, all across the world. Yes. And so, and we're going to make the difference in people's lives so that they can literally go to the grocery store or buy online and know that the 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 brand with its products has been quote unquote verified mm-hmm. and that um and that they're going to be um giving back when they they're voting with their wallet essentially mm-hmm. yes and, they are and, and that's the, awesome yep yep and the brand will hopefully become more efficient with their marketing dollar and mm-hmm. as a result and create still create good turns off the shelf and as a result of course they're they're um they can pass some of those savings or the additional revenue or profits along to the shoppers so we're really leveling that playing field between the better for everyone kind of brands with products Mm -hmm. as you know against the well, we would say more conventional, traditional kinds of not as healthy kind of yeah. or sustainable types of products. So if there's a brand or a, per- a founder of a small eco-friendly brand listening to this now and they want to be featured on Makina, what is your advice for them? Well, they can certainly go to, um, well, they can always contact me personally. So it's just karin.frame at makina.com. But they can also go to our website. Uh, the brand page is a little hidden. So it's just makina.com, but it would be forward slash brands hyphen join us. Okay. So um, that is the brand landing page and they can sign up for a demo on that page. Uh, right now it. I, I'm doing some of those demos, but now I have three people on the sales team, me and two other folks. Um, and so it could be any one of us in the in the near future. But yeah, just, you know, or just info at makina.com if that is uh, a little bit easier to remember. Awesome. And if you're a consumer, um, where can we find Makina? You can, again, go to makina.com. You can just download it straight from, if, if you are looking at your, mo- working looking at the uh, Makina site from your mobile device, mm-hmm. if you click on either download on Android or iOS, it'll take you straight to the appropriate app store or just go straight to the app store or Google Play awesome. and you can download Makina from there. How beautiful. I, I, this has been so great, such a great conversation. Mm. And I just, I want to sit down and talk to you about this brand for another hour and a half, but <laughs> I know that we're out of time. So thank you so, so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And I just think your journey is so inspiring. I mean, this idea of being dedicated and passionate to something throughout your life and then like having the resilience to reinvent it in different ways until you become a overnight success five years in the making, if you will. (laughs) Yeah, or 20. Or or 20. Or 30. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You know, you hear about those stories all the time, like the, you know, the founders of Google or, you know, Bill, you know, Bill Gates with Microsoft. I mean, it and or Oprah even, right? They were, even though if feels or it seems like they rose to fame super quickly i mean it it was their whole life it was their why it was part of their dna Mm. and you definitely have that 
definitely in your journey, your DNA. Yeah, I think I do. (laughs) Thank you. You really do. Thank you so much for joining us. And as this is our Christmas episode, Merry Christmas, everyone who's listening and happy holidays if you don't celebrate Christmas. make those shopping decisions, those ethical (laughs) shopping decisions. (laughs) Please do for the planet and for yourself. Yeah. Thank you, Carl. Well, thanks for having me on. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. It was such, it's so fun to talk to both of you. Oh, good. Chat soon. This podcast was brought to you by Invoice2Go. We're an invoicing and billing app that helps business owners work and get paid from anywhere, at any location around the globe. We're helping close the gender-based pay gap. Because the current U.S. pay gap sits at around 19%, listeners of the Female Founders Network podcast get exactly 19% off of any subscription. Just enter the code EMPOWERWOMEN at checkout.